cough, cough, cough. All right. Again, welcome back to Elevating the Genre. Uh, we're co-hosts. I'm Christopher Morrison, and that dude is Dominic. Hi. Hey. Uh, and we're here to talk about all things that make smart, geeky stuff actually smart. And no, Dominic's last name isn't High. Um, watch the last episode to get that joke. Uh, we're already getting in jokes. Oh, I'm very excited. We're on episode four, um, and uh, today we are going to talk about Robotech, uh, the uh, the very key. Anime, forgive me if I mispronounce that off and on through the podcast, uh, um, on American soil at least. Um, uh, so that's close, I think, to Dom and my both my and our both of our hearts. But first, we have a segment called "What's Elevating Our Genre," where we turn you guys on to what is what we think is uh, cool and smart currently out in the geeky world. Uh, Dom, what you got this week? Um, they're doing a Buffy the Vampire Slayer drag version live theater show in San Francisco. Oh! And I can't say... Just, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. He's still my beating. Absolutely. And I can't speak for it elevating because I haven't seen it, but it came into my feed today and I'm totally going to see it. Excellent. And, um, you know, I love my Buffy. I love parts of it. I love certain seasons more than others. Sure. Um but getting back, you know, sometimes we refer to this uh, nerdy theater thing that we used to do um, back okay. in the day. Wait. And uh, at one point you were like, yeah, those theaters are all over the place now. And this is pretty representative of that. Like yeah. there are a lot of small theaters doing interesting, maybe gender bent or color bent mm -hmm. takes on well-known pop cultural franchises. Right. Yeah, so this is one of them. And I'm glad cool. one came my way with a with a, uh, an IP that I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and we're gonna see that and hopefully it elevates my genre. Uh, I'm gonna make you find that and send us a link uh, if we can. Mm -hmm. um, if you can send me a link so we can put it in the show notes, that would be awesome. Oh yeah, we will. Cool, yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Um, uh, this is um, because uh, it's October and Halloween is approaching um, and that's always elevating my genre. I'm gonna put it away now, but it's amazing. Um, this was for my Yug Sothoth costume for the deep Cthulhu geeks that I wore about four or five years ago. I'll put a, maybe put up a picture in the, uh, in it's the alive. YouTube link. It's alive. Um, so speaking of Halloween um, and October, um, uh, I did, what's elevating my genre is uh, actually a different another podcast that uh, I actually sort of kind of inspired me to, 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 to try to start this whole thing, which is a little pod, a podcast called F This Movie. It's not little. It's they're, they're pretty. I guess they're pretty big these days and they have a thing called scary movie month every october where the challenge is you the challenge is to try to watch a, a horror movie every single day of october i i'm 42 i don't have time for that shit um but um the other thing they do which is very cool is they have sort of these seven word reviews you can post on because the way you get their podcast is they also have a blog and that's where you, get, you can go to the blog so they do not just a podcast but a, a big blog they have a whole community thing going um, and that's just super cool. Um, so check them out, fthismovie.com or fthismovie.net. 
they're on iTunes and Stitcher and all that good and all that good garbage and stuff like that as well. Um, super fun, um, and I have not been participating as much as I would like, but uh, I've got I've choked down a couple of couple of. I did a classic. I did a, a little Le Lucaru. Uh, I'm working on my French, so I watched uh, the Wolfman with French sub the Wolfman with French subtitles. Lugaru is werewolf in French. I know how to say werewolf in French. I don't. Oh know yeah, how to... I learned that from a Daniel Pinkwater uh, book. <laughs> you just had to say it two or three times, and now I got it. There you go. Uh, yeah, because I can't. I probably can't say I need to go to the bathroom efficiently, but I can tell you how to say werewolf in French. Um, uh, that's not true. I can say. I think I know how to say I need to go to the bathroom. Anyway. Um, uh, and I watched uh, Jennifer's Body for the first time as well, which I'm not going to talk about in depth, but um, but it was good. I, I, it was. You know, it's Diablo Cody. Maybe we should, maybe there's another maybe yeah. there's another podcast in the future on that interesting yeah. figure um, out in the world. So it was really cool to see her horror movies for the first time. Anywho, okay. so yeah, but that's not what I'm pimping. I am pimping F this movie, the podcast. Go check it out in their scary movie month stuff. Usually we would go right into our subject matter, but I th- we're going to introduce a new segment today <laughs> called Morrison's Fuck-Ups or Morrison's Mistakes. Um <laughs> Which Morrison seems to make a bunch of, uh, which is awesome. Um, and so last episode was episode three, and we were talking about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I fucked up a whole bunch of shit. So here are those mistakes. Number one, the original PDA is called a Palm Pilot, ladies and gentlemen. I couldn't think of that. Neither could Dom, so don't feel so dumb there. Uh, Peter Jones is the book, ladies and gentlemen, and Simon Jones plays Arthur Dent, uh, both in the radio program and in the BBC version. I got those names mm-hmm. backwards. And the quotes that I was fumbling around with to quote from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy are in this in the order with digital watches is far out in the uncharted backwaters of an unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small unregarded yellow sun orbiting this at a distance of roughly 92 million miles is an utterly insignificant little blue green planet whose ape descended life forms are so amazingly primitive that they still think digital watches are a pretty neat idea. That's the quote I was trying to remember. Fucked it up. And the last little quote I fucked up which is much shorter is it wasn't the little green pieces of paper that were unhappy. Anyway, done. Finished with all my mistakes. Uh, if there are more, please feel free to let me know. Uh, <laughs> so. I'm um, sure I had some mom mistakes too, but I'm not going to own up to them. Don't right own now. up to them. Don't I, bother. Because I can't think of them. <laughs> <laughs> we're only going to track my mistakes. Uh, all right, great. Because Dominic is, you know, is much more, is, is, just, is just sexier than I am. And nobody wants to ruin his, nobody wants to ruin that idea that image of Dominic sexy Dominic Ma all right ladies and gentlemen you came here for some Robotech I came here for some Robotech I'm sure Dominic came here for some Robotech let's jump into some Robotech um Dominic Ma do you want to set up a little bit of the history of this wonderful thing I will try I will try to set up the uh Robotech um if you're not familiar um at one point now there are tons of cartoons, right? <laughs> tons of cartoons from Japan, Korea, America, whatever. At, at one point, um, one of the first Japanese animated series that came over to American TV was called Robotech. And it was uh, mashed up out of three separate Japanese series, which are very beloved back in their, their home place, um, Macross, Southern Cross and uh, Mospeta. I've never known how to say that last one. Um, most people are familiar with Macross because it's the first one and sort of the biggest. Um, anyway, so a clever guy named Carl Masek 
um, did a rather astounding job of mashing up these three different series into one long narrative, uh, basically about Earthlings encountering aliens and having a big war with them over three different generations. The series came on whenever I started watching it. I don't remember, but it was the awesomest shit at the moment. It was the awesomest cartoon. And because, again, and this is only the why I mentioned the context of there were fewer cartoons. It was uh, one of the first that was available that involved uh, real death, real issues of war, real issues of sort of adult love scenarios, and um, basically took shit a lot more seriously than, I believe, the Transformers cartoon, which directly followed it. Um, I mean, so this basically, and um, it, it's, it's gone uh, through many stages of, uh, you know, it's not as popular as Star Trek or even probably, I don't know, Babylon 5 or whatever, but they're going to make a film of it. They're, they, they're intending to make a film of it directed by James Wan whenever he's done directing Aquaman. And um, it'll, they'll probably be new cartoon versions. And um, right, for anyway. sure. So, so again, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, like Hitchhikers, it's kind of a yeah. broad-based IP. It has video games. It has many different versions of right. the different series. It's comprised of. But there is one core mm-hmm. series, which was this weird American mashup, and that is what mm-hmm. we refer to as Robotech. Right. Cool. Great. Uh, just a couple of details, just because not because I'm smarter than dumb or know this shit. It's just because I did some research, and for those real detail heads out there, I'll just fill in some holes. So yeah, that the first uh, the three episode the three series are fully called uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, Super Dimension Cavalry Southern Cross, uh, and then Genesis Genesis Climber Mospita, whatever. Um, <laughs> That's fascinating. the best one. I just wish I could yeah. see it. Yeah, they're, they're, anyway. yeah, Genesis Climber Mospita. I I don't know what the climber part is. Uh, so the thing that part the climber thing that confuses me about that is they're fucking motorcycles. I mean, yes, they turn in, they form like an exoskeleton in that, but nobody climbs even <laughs> anything. Anyway, who knows? Uh, yes, uh, Carl makes something also- to do with evolution. Oh, Genesis Climber. That's an interesting idea. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Carl Meissig worked for a company called Harmony Gold, just for those who care about that. Robotech, when it aired in the U.S., aired premiered in 1985. Uh, I know I certainly didn't see it on its first run. Um, and Robotech ended up being 85 episodes long uh, on American soil. Blah. Done there. Um, so, my... I'm interested, Dominic, is how did you first encounter Robotech? Like, what do you remember, like, how it came into your life? Um, like, um, I do know I watched it uh, when it was syndicated on some channel in a daily way, and I followed it like a soap opera, as yeah. another person might follow a soap opera. <laughs> and it was sure. a soap opera. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, was, it was like wanting to know what would happen the next day. I was in some form of school. I'm, I'm really hazy on what year this is, but uh, but it was, you know, it was one episode a day, and I was like, I want to know what happened. I had to get it taped, mm. or I had uh, I, I worried during the day about who was going to die. Um, so definitely, and definitely did, like, during... Do you, remember, so, it would, do you remember if somebody turned you on to it, or did you just happen to stumble onto oh. it on TV? Like, how did it come into your life? Um, I, I, I just saw an ad for, I mean, I knew it, I had seen some of the Macross, um, episodes, Mm. they did various packagings of the Macross episodes in 
early attempts to get it, the series over to America. So oh. I'd seen some version of that. There's like seven oh. of them. Like one's called Revenge of the Bionoids or something weird. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, this is totally awesome. Because, I mean, just aesthetically, it's, you know, uh, for the time, now it's a little dated, but for the time, uh, it, was, it, was, it was beautifully animated series. The, the, the tech design is stellar and immortal. Fantastic. Just yep. the thing, the gadgets they come up with. And, um, it, you know, so it just spoke to me. It, it drew out my, uh, okay. my, my attraction. And um, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, I, there was one other thing I wanted to mention about that, but I, it's, I'm, I'm failing on it right now. Oh, oh but at, whenever this was, it was during some very young hormonal period. I'll say it, it was <laughs> probably during puberty or I'm adolescence sure, or something. It must have been 85 or 86. Right. Right. So there's, right. So there's a... So it's coming at a time when all the hormones and all the junior high, like sort of love, blah, 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 we're figuring that out. And so it was weird. It was, it, there was a cartoon that dealt a lot more with that kind of shit than other cartoons. So that was probably key to the latching on latching to Robotech. On. The, way, the way it came into my life was I went to this, I, went, uh, I grew up in this area called Silver Spring, Maryland. At this time in my life, I was in Silver Spring, Maryland after living in Tennessee for a while. And University of Maryland was very, uh, College Park, UCM College Park, was, had a huge influx of um, Japanese students, Japanese exchange students. And so this weird uh, uh, thing happened in my, in my very suburban area that had no right to happen, although I was only, 10, 10, I was only five to 10 minutes outside of DC. But, which was we got anime really early because <laughs> these enterprising Japanese kids would bring this shit over and everybody wanted copies. And so they dupe VHS copies and then use their, I'm not shitting you, Amiga, Commodore Amigas to oh, subtitle yeah, I remember. them. The, the Amiga thing was huge. Yeah, to subtitle them <clears> and, then, and then sell the shit. Now this, yeah. now I'm not cool Amigas enough. Amigas were like the torrent clients of that age. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so they'd use their Amigas to subtitle them. And, the, and it's, I wasn't cool enough to know these cats and just hang around with them or anything like that. But I was a comic book collector and my fucking comic book store, Jeppy's Comic World, mad respects mm. in Silver Spring, Maryland, mm. closed its doors now. Jeez. But um, was crazy enough. I just came up from downstairs getting my, getting my you know, monthly grab, came up and they had a glass case. And in the glass case were shitty homemade VHS tapes under glass. And I'm like, what the fuck do you guys think you're doing? And, and I was like, pan- I remember even back then, I was like, as a kid, I was like, Are, is my comic book store selling porn now? Like, I don't know what's going on. And they had all these crazy names, uh, Akira and all of this stuff, right? Uh, and it turns out mm-hmm. they, they hooked up with this community and was like farming uh, the animation stuff. Anyway, that story will come again when eventually Dom and I sit down and chop up Akira. But I, through my brother, who was four years older than I, was hanging around with a guy who knew a guy who we came over to his house. And I shit you not on this. I remember just walking through his living room on a TV. I remember it was all chopped up. It was all like grainy. It wasn't, you know, they hadn't done the tracking on the VHS tape. And it was a fucking it was a fucking new generation episode because they had cyclones and Invid running around and these purple fucking okay. robot aliens. And I immediately was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's <laughs> that shit? Uh, for, for those in podcast land, Morrison just sort of looked very heavily at his screen. Um, and was like, what the hell is that? And he's like, guys, like that's Robotech. You gave the anime eyes for a second <laughs> there, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Bloop. Dink, dink, dink. Um, 
And it was so gritty and so fucked up, but what was, it was the, and I don't even fucking remember the episode, it's the Genesis pit where they fucking go in and they're up against dinosaurs for no fucking reason. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I think they do some climbing in that one. I mean, there is some climbing because there's a pit. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like dinosaurs, motorcycles that turn into body armor and lasers oh and aliens. God. And I'm fucking mm-hmm. in. Uh, and then we had, I remember going to my brother and being like, how do we do this? And, uh, and somehow we figured out that it was going to be reshown starting from the top, uh, on our local, whatever station. Uh, and we fucking, we recorded that shit every week. We set, this is why I learned how to set my VCR timer to record stuff was to record Robotech. Um, so that's sort of how it fell into my lap. Um, okay. Yeah. That's so, a really great story. And the things we do is early adopt. And that's that's precious to it's me. That's nuts. Great. And uh, and also just mention that I'm glad you came into it in the third part in uh, the new generation, because probably that's my favorite, although mm-hmm. there's a big leaning towards Macross. People yeah. people know the first part a lot more. But the third part is my favorite because yeah. the transforming motorcycles, right? They're so badass. That was the, I mean, this is the best idea. There's no, there's no denying the badassitude. I mean, like, yeah. and 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 obviously it's so badass. Eventually, it gets just ripped off and stolen because Megazone two three like comes out after must come out uh, after yeah, yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, well, um, Morrison's Mistake Squad. I don't know the. Uh, uh, I don't know the chronology on that. Uh, that's a good. But question. yes, Megazone twenty three yeah. also had a very badass transforming motorcycle yeah. into robot body armor. Folds up, that folds up. I over think we might want to check the year. But anyway, yeah, we'll they're double, basically I, I will definitely two versions check. of extremely cool transforming <laughs> motorcycles. Motorcycle shit. Um, right. And which, by the way, they went backwards in technology because in the second yeah. part of Robotech, they already have hover bikes. Yes, That's right. one of the ridiculous things about it. So you're looking at and they somehow, uh, uh, in the future after that, they go back to having wheeled motorcycles. motorcycles. But it's okay because the wheeled motorcycles becoming body armor is still the coolest thing ever. Ever, right. So there was some kind of weird retro... Anyway, yeah, maybe that's a good. Through. I like that idea. I like that in the future they're like, no man, retro shit is in. I need a, I need, yeah, I need, motors, I need wheels, baby. I need wheels, wheels baby. Wheels, Although bike. somebody has to do that. Somebody has to do like a hover bike, a hover bike. Um, fucking, that's a brilliant idea, dude. A hover bike. Uh, oh, yeah, would, uh, cycle. Yeah. That would be a killer idea. I also love the head the cannon. New version. Oh, the new head cannon. Yeah, I love your head. The, the head. Sorry, head cannon. Like the idea that you're making up. I love that you're making up a reason why they had hover bikes in in the masters, and they had to go back to uh, to motorcycles. Oh, yeah, um, that, when we all know the I, the reason is is because they're three totally two totally separate TV shows. Um, but I love. The I head, love that you head said head cannon because Robotech is the one series in which head cannons are a very specific <laughs> thing. Because <laughs> all the jets heads have are basically yes. a, a gun. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Right, to, to, to make up for the, you know, the anthropomorphic sort of, uh, you know, anomaly that you didn't really need a head on a yes, transforming of course. robot. It's just there for aesthetics. Why do you need the head? And they, so and it might as well be a gun, right? It might as well be armed. Well, everything might as well be a gun, right? Because I remember when I first right, right, saw right. the Veritech transformed into a robot, right? Which is the flying um, planes from, the, from Macross. I, I was like, oh, they're antenna, of course. And then I remember my head being blown when they were like, one episode, all of a sudden they go, Wang, and like, and they start firing. And I was like, ah! So useful, those head cannons. <laughs> head cannons. Um, anyway, Absolutely. yeah, sorry, a little, little dense punning there. Yes. Um, no, that's great. Uh, also need to warn everybody, I don't know if you're hearing my chewing, it is yet another Morrison um, eating podcast as well because it's late in Belgium and whatever and I didn't plan my day properly. Sorry. Um, there you go. Anyway, um, okay. All right, let's talk characters. Everybody's mm. got a favorite character. 
Lay it on me, Jack. Or lay it on me, Dom. Okay, well. Who you got? Who's your, who's your favorite? Well, skipping ahead to the next generation, the Mos Beta. Um, I, I have a lot of favorite characters, but I would say Lancer. A Lancer I would say the freedom yeah. fighter who is also a pop singer and also a transvestite. Yes. I believe that's an accurate way of summing him up. He's, he's a guy. Absolutely. They a, they're, they're a little plot set up for a new generation. The aliens have won, and some new aliens have come to sort of occupy Earth. Um, there's this little team of humans that is going around um, uh, trekking across America. It's sort of a road trippy narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, in a Star Warsy way, this sort of ragtag band comes together mm-hmm. and goes to fight the big final alien. So along the way, one of the people they meet as they're forming their crew is um, the pop singer, Yellow Dancer, Yellow who Dancer. at some undefined point is a famous pop star in future earth destroyed apocalypse earth yep <clears throat> yeah she has all these she has all these songs we'll get we're gonna get deep into the songs or just the music element later um and um they find her you know at some smoky club in post exploded whatever and she's singing a song they're like and a they're like yellow dancer oh that's cool i love her in the space of a 20 minute episode by the way they come to find out that yellow dancer is also uh, is also a freedom fighter. Is also you know a guerrilla fighter who has her own uh, cyclone. Who has her own badass transforming motorcycle. So they so they go fight some of the some of the individual shock troopers, and in exact order they fight. And then after that they find out somehow. Okay, uh, I know about the order, but the point is they find out in the space of this one episode that Yell Dancer is also really Lancer, a guy who with long purple hair who is, has a drag personality as this pop star, me, while also being a guerrilla resistance fighter. And it's nothing. With, and it's not, and it's like, it's basically, it's, it's a sight gag for like, for like 30 seconds for one of my favorite characters, Lunk, to go boing, right? And yeah, 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 yeah. with his eyeballs. And then they just don't ever fucking talk about it almost ever again. Outside of when it's helpful for Lancer to become Yellow Dancer once in a while. Yeah, yeah. And it's just totally accepted. And that was what was, I'm getting a little bit of goosebumps here because that was, that was a bit revelatory for me as a kid. It's like, oh, God, yes. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, this is totally fine. I can totally, and I totally accepted it. It wasn't a fucking thing. And the crazy part is I don't remember it being a thing in my geek group either. Like nobody sat around and was like, oh, hey, what mm-hmm. about this crazy transvestite character? But it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, she's, he, he, whatever. I think I can't That's remember. what he does. That's what he is. He just is, a, he's a crossdresser and he's a badass resistance fighter. Boink, done, end of fucking, end of fucking conversation. It was great. Yeah, yeah. and I probably didn't know that much uh, about, you know, transvestites at the time, but it totally went yeah. down easy, as you said. It was like, oh yeah, that, that works. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it was a super also, cool, it was definitely a defining characteristic, and it just was, that's what it was. It was just a defining characteristic of the character. Um, and it just, as you said, went down easy. I like that, right? Oddly, anyway, yeah, and also Popster. Anyway, so Lancer's and my also favorite Popster. character, for sure. A Lancer. And he's, I mean, come on. Then that's also Yellow Dancer, first of all, killer pop star name. And then his fucking character name is Lancer, which is also badass. I don't know, it just... And he's got fucking purple hair. And he's got fucking purple hair. And he can wear lipstick. 
Yeah, and he can wear the armor. And and his his cyclone is actually one of the cooler cyclones. That's right. The, the weaponry, the design of it is like, yeah. you have a cool cyclone. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Lance. He had the chest missiles. Yeah, the chest missiles. Ah, that's right. He had the chest missiles. Right, right, right. Of course. Um, I'm going to go out. Okay, so I think this is probably... I haven't re- look. I'll be honest. I haven't revisited the series in, in a long time, but I remember as a kid always feeling like the Masters sequence got kind of sort of short, short shrift, short shrift, whatever got shafted a little bit in, in people's enjoyment. Because I also what I liked about the Masters was I thought the um, the Mecha was the best in the master in the Masters. Mm. I liked the bigger the bigger robots in the Masters. I thought were the coolest, mm. um, and the hover and the hover tanks and all that kind of craziness. Um, and I just liked the concept of Dana, the lead character of Dana, who is the, who is this left behind daughter of the two main of the main love story of the of Macross, right? Of Rick and Lisa, and they have to leave her behind. No, 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 no. No, am I not Rick and no. Lisa? No, of um, I'm sorry, Max and Max Miriam. Max and Miriam. Sorry, easy, easy mistake to make, but Morrison's mistakes but yeah. again. There you go. Sorry. Max, so, Max and Miriam. The second, the sorry, secondary the second, love story, secondary the two ace pilots, and one of them is an alien. Okay, continue. Yeah, and one of them is a Zentradi, right? Exactly. So she's a. Right. So the other, pro- so number one. She's mixed. She's a she's a mix. She's sort of a hybrid. Uh, uh, two, she's she's not abandoned, but she had to be left behind because she was a baby. Um, and the way they run that thread through the series, particularly in the Masters, is that she's always out to prove herself, and this is something that I. I don't know if I back then I identified with, but I certainly identify with it now all the time. Like I'm constantly, and maybe as a, as a, I'm a younger sibling as well, with a brother who's four and a half years older, and my brother was, my brother and I had a close relationship, and uh, I had two groups of friends: my direct age peers and my brother's groups of friends. My brother's groups of friends was my main gaming group as well, so I was always out to prove to these kids who were four and a half years developmentally older than I was that I belonged. So I think that's why I hooked up. I, I connected to Dana so much, and she's a bit of a loudmouth, which I appreciate. Um, uh, and and she, you know, and like I said, I just like the mecha. I mean, the the, the storyline of the Masters does for me drag drag a little bit in the in in the mm. middle. And but that's the other thing is that the Masters storyline is a little bit more psychologically fucking with people, right? It's yeah, absolutely. The yes. Masters are m- literally messing with Dana constantly. Um, yeah. uh, physically and mentally. And so, I don't know, there's something really groovy about that and the way she responds to that uh, always was interesting to me. Um, and then the other character I have to talk about is Lunk, um, who I have a vulnerability for um, slapstick comedy, but, <laughs> but te- generally absurdist slapstick comedy. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, obviously, uh, the Marx Brothers is like number one on that list. The next on that list is, is, uh, is, a, is an artist and illustrator by the name of Phil Foglio. Uh, someday maybe we'll do a podcast on him um, because he manages to capture like 30s crazy absurdist slapstick in, in illustrated form. Uh, he does a, a shout out. He does a web comic right now called Girl Genius. If you haven't checked it out, it's fantastic. Um, and Lunk, like... The the comedy in the third series it, it goes up a little bit. Like there's not as much comedy in Macross and in um, and in the Ma- and in uh, the Master series, right? But then you get Lunk and Annie as this crazy tag team duo of fallen down and like mouth takes and a little bit more of the classic like. And this is definitely how I learned the the language of anime and the language of manga, like the eyes and mm-hmm. the tears and the hearts mm-hmm. and all of that stuff was directly through Annie and Lunk. 
And I just... And Lung's just great. He's just a big... He's a, he's a lovey-dovey, big, flumpy dude who's a fucking badass mechanic. And, like... And he's always getting into trouble and shit like that. So I, I love Lunk. I love Lunk to death. Um, oh, that's great. Lunk is a great choice. He's a great choice. I, I mean, I, I love both of those. Uh, briefly on Lunk, a little bit weird that you, uh, with the whole Annie thing, do we want to unpack that right now? Uh, with, yeah, there was Because Annie was this little girl of very indeterminate yeah. age, as people often are in, in yeah. totally indeterminate in anime. And she's like... She was kind of 12, but probably not really. She Maybe she was supposed to be 18. Uh, she was definitely Did very get, hormonally the, active. She huh? was very hormonally active. You got the idea she was a, as old as 18? Really? I think so, just to excuse my own <laughs> um, understanding of what she's doing. Because, look, True. it's basically, it's, it's just yeah. an anime thing. She's drawn, she looks 12, or she's really short. Yeah. I think, I even read the Robotech books, by the way. And in some of the Robotech the books... books yeah. Well, they definitely make her, you know, adult age of consent in the books because they got to keep their shit straight, right? Oh, okay. All right. So, I don't know. But anyway, but but the point, yeah, yeah. The, just the, the visual of it is huge, hulking, dark-skinned guy, yeah. indeterminate racial background yeah. with very tiny little female. Yeah. <laughs> and they're a slapstick duo. And, you know, so there's they're... And you know, there's there's just romantic tension. There's not sexual tension. There's something going on. Something and he kisses on. people all the time. Anyway. Annie's the we also Annie introduced me to the sec, the the sort of you know she's she's a softball version of Utsuru uh, Yatsura if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm. Excuse me if I'm not. Yeah, um, something like that. You know, which is the sort <laughs> of slightly se- I don't know sex crazed teen girl. It's not really sex crazed. It's just like boy crazy. It's boy, boy crazy. crazy. It's more boy crazy. It's not sex crazy. It's yeah. boy crazy. That's a much better yeah. description of that yeah. character trope. And it yeah. is weird because she, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I just sort of assumed she was like eight, somewhere between eight and 13. Um, yeah, she's drawn out. And she, and <laughs> sorry, we got a microphone down on Dom's side. We're fixing Micro- that. Mic drop. Mic drop, yeah. She's eight. <laughs> she's not eight. She's definitely not eight, uh, but she's and she's also she's voiced in a really high register, um, and all that other good shit. And the other thing I also felt very proud of about Lunk, going back to Lunk real quick, coming back, coming back to Annie, is that Lunk is also the voice of a couple of characters in the Masters, and uh, I, I felt very mm-hmm. smart being able to draw that, uh, being mm-hmm. able to tune my ear to that when I was whatever. But it doesn't matter. But yeah, no, Annie, Annie and Lunk as a duo are just, I don't know. I found them fucking drop down. Yeah hysterical um and the way they're used uh introduced me to so many tropes because i just didn't that's because those tropes are not in macross and they're i think there's a couple sprinkled in masters like a couple things where dana gets into trouble or whatever she does the big wide eye the uh, the one circle literally the one circle with the dot i thing uh, a couple of times and stuff like that but not too many but it's (laughs) but it's all over it's de- yeah, it's all over Lunk and Annie. Um, yeah, totally. totally. And yeah, I'm glad you said it because definitely those tropes, maybe another reason why the next generation stands out a little bit more is um, that they're the least militarized of the crew. You know, they, they have the least yeah. like fighting function and right. Robotech is, is essentially a very military oriented story. Right. So in this crew, like there were two people who were not like just everyday fighters, and that's nice. It's necessary. It gave it that whole family dynamic. Yeah, they didn't have a tactical function right. that often. Yeah. They did. I mean, because Andy does the little spy shit, and she right. does stuff that only little teeny people can do. Right. <laughs> and 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 Luck obviously is essential support mechanical function. Yeah. Um. 
but it was just nice to have that family, you know, with all the different levels mm-hmm. and all the different specialities. Definitely. And for those, I mean, I made this connection and I don't know I've ever heard it ever anywhere else. So, Dom, you can also, maybe this, this will be, I think it's the first time I ever said this out loud to anybody. Am I crazy? Or is Jules Sate, Sate or however you pronounce her last name, the chick, uh, the, the, the engineer on Firefly, kind of an Annie character? Uh, I, I draw a line between those two for whatever strange reason. Um, maybe that's just me. I don't know Firefly because I suck. Oh, well, there you go. All right, someone out in podcast land, That's my uh, maybe let me know if there's if I'm crazy. I'm a little crazy. Someone knows that. Yeah, someone knows if that's that's clever. Uh, I also can't even remember the name um, of the Firefly but character. But don't worry about it. Um, moving okay. on. Uh, great. Uh, any other particular characters that you want to talk about real quick? Uh, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned Dana because um, again, yeah, the second part, uh, Robotech Masters. Um, yeah, we'll have the least big opinion about that, but I bet it's the one that if we re- revisited it, it would be the most interesting and you know with more adult understanding because there are more levels. It's the mo- and it's the one where there's a, a mm-hmm. mainly uh, the main protagonist is, is a female character and she has yeah. you know a legacy through all these other main characters. Yeah. And so um, yeah, so that's that's like a story I probably didn't absorb fully at, at mm. young impressionable yeah. age but um but mm-hmm. she's great she has that really again only an anime hair and completely <laughs> unlikely hair that you would never you have no idea what it would look like in real life right yeah it's sort it's of this a- sort of perfect blonde globe with a few little tufts of <laughs> um it, there's no way it fits into her incredibly cool armored helmets that was always definitely totally not yeah. magic uh, so they, they had these kind of cool valkyrie-ish i don't know inspired by you know Many traditions of mask making, but very um, warrior helmets, basically yes. gladiator masks, for sure. And that they that they wore to go with their uh, already really cool battle armor. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just funny because Dana's particularly cool, but there's no way she's fitting all her hair into that. That was just ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, Absolutely. but that was what, that wasn't the only thing that was cool about Dana. She has this legacy character, and she was yes, she was striving. And she has probably the weirdest love story. I was trying to remember yeah, how that works because, again, with the with the alien deep spy traitor thing and uh, yeah. So Zor is yeah. Just to fill in a little up. bit, yeah. Zor is a uh, the Robotech masters of the alien invaders, uh, who were the people that made the Centrati, <clears throat> who were the alien threat in the first in Macross, um, and so they show up on Earth after their Zentradi, uh creations basically literally decimate at least fifty to sixty to seventy percent of the globe. Um, and they show up to harvest protoculture or whatever. Um, and then one of them, uh, forgive me, I can't remember why, a dude named Zor, um, whose backstory is eventually filled in into the comico graphic novel, which we can get into later, um, betrays the Grobotech Masters and then leaves and then suffers from super convenient storytelling amnesia um, <laughs> and sh- f- basically falls in Dana's lap and Dana I mean, falls in love with him because he's all sorts of pretty. Um, uh, and whatever, and there is a cool little and Zor's storyline is also is super psychological because he's got a he just sort of discovers you know it's one of these stories where he discovers he's actually the bad guy, but he's been working for he's been working for the uh, the human the humans for so long and like and what that meant, and I enjoyed that and it does slow things down and really the story really for a couple episodes drops Dana as a main character and just goes yeah. to only into yeah. Zor's storyline and I yeah. think that's also one thing that confuses a lot of 
particularly American viewers, is like we just don't yeah. have that trope very often. I think it's maybe coming around now because of Game of Thrones and because of yeah. The Shield and because of The Wire. We're a little bit more used to this. Like, okay, there's clearly a main character, but we're gonna literally not visit. They're, they're literally gonna become a sub character um, just for, to, to flesh out this one storyline. So we back in '85, '86, that shit was not happening in American television, let alone American animation um and it bugged me too then it was always a little boring and it was like well where's dana where why aren't and and those episodes are not hugely fighty episodes they're bizarre um paprika like if you know that anime (laughs) paprika like episodes thank you where you're basically in zor's fucked up head like and he's getting trying to get mind controlled by the masters again um uh because he's a bit of a sleeper agent kind of a deal um anyway uh yeah and zor's and i don't i don't know Sorry. No, I was just going to say, Zor's an interesting character, too. Go ahead. Yeah, and I don't know if you mentioned it, but I think that was because Zor was a bit of a Jesus character. He had, yeah. uh, he was instrumental in creating protoculture at one point. He was this sort of right. Genesis-level scientist. Right. I don't know if you mentioned all of that. But nope. So it was sort of apt that you got really into his struggle because he has this focal point in the whole mythology of the series, which is he created yep. this energy source called yep. protoculture. But doesn't remember because he's a clone of that person or yeah, some yeah. shit like that. Yeah, he's like a 56 clone of that dude or something. Right, right. Like that. And yep. also the thing that the uh, Southern Cross, the second series, did really well was it, uh, like good trilogies like Star Wars, like Empire Strikes Back, I do remember, it ended us in a bad place. Oh, and that's yes. another that's another reason why maybe it was hard to watch as a kid because mm. we're like thinking, liking the gratification of things that are fun and loving wow. and happy endings. So that was another thing that was devastating was you're with this series. I mean, they all end in pretty weird places. The Earth gets decimated like 12 times. Yep. But the second part of the trilogy, Southern Cross, particularly came to a sort of tragic arc where Zor dies, mm-hmm. the Master's ship blows up colossally, and everyone's kind of waiting for, oh, there's another alien race going to come and invade us now. <laughs> Shows Again. To clean up. Uh, it's so not brutal. looking good at the yeah. end there. The love stories don't get resolved, and everyone's just kind of waiting for the next wave of terrible. Yeah. And, and then the next generation, cut forward a few years, the next wave of terrible has happened, and we have a heroic resolution. So that was great. It was hard to watch, but the Southern Cross leaves us in that bad place that we right. need to be to get to the third act. And that was just, you know, good good job, Masek. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, you know, I, I guess this is a good time since we brought Masek back up that there are people who really apparently, I mean, I don't, I've never interacted with them, really revile this whole concept that sure. really hate the sure. idea that he took these three other series and chopped them up and made them into his own storyline. Um, again, I think Dominic and I are both very appreciative of the fact that it happened because it sort of opened a doorway to me, to us, certainly for me, I don't know. Um, this is because far and away, this has got to be the first. No, that's not true. I did see some Ultraman and I did see some Kimba the White Lion when I was incredibly young. Yeah, no, it's not young. the first, first thing. It's and not the first thing. did no, a similar in my thing, life. No, I mean, I mean in my life. Oh, I'm okay. talking about my particular oh, okay, life. Yeah. Just so happened yeah. in my particular life the way it unfolded. Like, yeah. uh, But Kimba the White Lion and, and Ultraman were, were not being shown in Tennessee when I was super young. We had to go to Fair my enough. grandmother's house just outside of D.C. and just stumble onto it on a UHF station occasionally. And here was this weird Ultraman thing. And occasionally right. here was this Kimba the White Lion thing, which, of course, I didn't really pay attention to. I was just like, oh, cute white lion. And I was only in Maryland for 10 days a year. So, like, it wasn't <laughs> like I was getting the storyline. However, I got it so much that when the Lion King came out, I was like, fuck you, Disney, Kimba the that White thing. Lion. That thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole. They were trying thing. to keep you from that knowledge, but whatever. They were trying. But, and yes, <laughs> stop yelling at your computer. I know 
Camp of the White Lion is also Hamlet. It's fine, okay, but but come on. No, for people who really there's a couple of web pages out there, go visit the Camp of the White Lion is actually yeah. is fucking just the Lion King, like beat <clears throat> for beat. Anyway, um uh so for me, Robotech really just opened that whole opened that whole door, the floodgates. I mean Voltron came on then uh as well, or was happening relatively simultaneously for me. Uh and then <clears throat> and then I out of that glass case in my comic book store I got my hands on a, a VHS copy of Akira. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh we'll talk about Akira mm-hmm. later. Um but yeah, no, it opened some doors. So yeah, there are I wanna acknowledge the people if maybe you're listening to this or you know some people who are like not happy about the, the, the chop up job. Mm-hmm. Um uh, we, we hear you. Um, just- we hear you, but I, I have two thoughts on that. I mean, one is, as I said before, the people who uh, object to Robotech are probably also people who don't like mashups of yeah. music. <laughs> it's yeah, it is possible. not purist. It is it a is bit definitely not cannibalistic. Purist. The impulse is, yes, he didn't create anything new. He just took stuff that existed and mashed it together. And yes, that's objectionable on certain points. But I like mashups. I like it when people put two songs together and it's not their songs, but they found some way that they interconnect. I like that. But I mean, I also and, take, I would take exception yeah. with that he didn't create anything new. I mean, that ha- that's a whole new. He, I mean, I've okay. Oh so no, he big, did. Yeah. Big, big confession here. I've, I've okay. I've seen the original Macross movie that was made out of Japan after the TV series was so popular. From what I understand, the, the timeline there. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Watched that a bunch of times. I've never seen the original Southern Cross. I've never seen the original uh, Genesis, Genesis Climbers. I don't even know what the actual stories are there. But you have to hats off to a dude who just like who just he wrote a he wrote a t- tying together storyline. I mean that's it's just fucking yeah, impressive. Yeah. That is that is creating something out of whole cloth. I mean yes, you had yeah. he had images to go yeah. along with it. It's almost like actually probably would have been good in 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 Marvel in the early days. You know where <laughs> creating comics the Marvel way where the Draw the right, artists. Right. The artists would oh, draw first, and then the script yeah. would get written yeah. based on the artist's drawings, renderings. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Masick uh, would yeah. have had a good career <laughs> under Stan Lee. Right. Well, yeah. Well, and, and again, I would argue back to the Kim of the White Lion thing. I mean, people get itchy about the subject of you know whether uh, you know Japanese art steals from American things or American things steal from Japanese art. I don't know exactly where you stand, but I think I don't care because this is a exactly. big. If you know the historical context, context, it's a historical dialogue. Okay, yep. I mean, it's a cultural dialogue. You yep. know, there was a war. We occupied Japan. So are American and Japanese cultures intermixed in an unprecedented way, just um, much more so than with mm-hmm. the Asian countries we weren't occupying. Yeah. So this is why we have things like, yes, we, we remade some of Kurosawa's films, but Kurosawa was remaking other films. Exactly. The Battle, Roy- the Battle Royale thing, yeah. Uh, they're, the point is they steal back and forth. Sure, of course. And that it's not even stealing. It's part of this cultural dialogue yeah, that yeah. happened. And so, yes, Carl Masick was not going to come up with that story by himself. Sure. But aid, aided by the original material, yeah. he this, this, this new thing happened. That wasn't going to happen no. just from his head yep. and wasn't going to make sense to America if it came over, you right. know, untranslated. So... That's yeah. where cultural dialogue is good. Anyway, that's what I'm saying. Which is great. Uh, and there's nothing. I think that's always great. So let's uh, let's jump into the music. Cause, and let me, let me make a statement here. And you can tell me if it's right or wrong. Because this is my understanding. That the Macross TV series in Japan started this craze of putting, inserting 
of basically trying to make pop hits inside anime. And Lin Min May is the first accomplishment of that, that character. Okay, for people who don't know, there is a character in the first Macross series called Lin Min May, who is an aspiring pop singer. And her whole thing is that she's, that's what she wants to be. And she's a, she's a super innocent, uh, who is the first love interest of our main male character, Rick Hunter. And as the series goes on, she becomes, she becomes the most popular singer in this sort of survivalist group, in the survival group. Um, and pretty much almost, I don't know, it's not every episode, but like for after a certain point, it's almost every episode, there's either a, a new song or a repeat of another pop song that goes underneath. And it's a pop song. It's a, they're pop songs underneath space battles. Um, and it does create, I mean, even as a kid, it created this wacky, like grinding tension in my head because usually in America, that's not what we get, right? We either get the sort of orchestral music under the battle scene or at the time metal was becoming a big deal um and i was fully into that shit uh it was it was metal music or something so this sort of like happy bouncy japanese poppy stuff was underneath these crazy space battles and it totally worked um uh so much so that they don't waste this character her singing becomes the a crux point for one of the final battles in the in the first series so anyway can you illuminate and this it, a little bit more on all of that stuff? Um, uh, I do not know what the first time that trope was used. It's possible okay. it was then. I'm fairly confident the Min May version was um, was the first most significant use of that trope, and I'm fairly confident because it occurs again in the seven Macross sequels every time. <laughs> it's co it's codified to the point that they always have something called a Min May defense or a Min May attack. And it's like, you know, some people have not seen these in America, though, because, again, there's the uh, importation problem. Um, but I've seen some of them, and there's always some version of a gigantic satellite iPod that projects a holographic pop star to um, to def defeat the enemy. And, again, if, if the context is unclear here, by the way, I wrote a piece on this for Yum Yum F, which is, and we're going to get into it really quick. Really quick, did you see the last Star Trek movie? Th this uh, one? Certain, no, the most not. recent one. No, I did not. Well, no way. No your, way. Put it on your list, dude. No, put there's a Minmay. There's a Minmay in the Star Trek. There's, there's a Minmay attack. Holy shit, snacks! You have to read my shit at Yum Yum Yum. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did. I don't. I I don't give a shit about the new Star Trek. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Oh, I'll, now I do. Um, because it's yeah. much cooler than I know so sorry. one might be might be worried about wow it's all right the new star the yeah Star Trek Beyond has a lot of stuff going on when okay. just for the purposes of this discussion holy shit balls one of the main things is that it basically does the min may attack trope I don't should I spoil it? it's such a great moment I don't know if I want to spoil it for you don't, don't let, let's okay. let's not I no, just saying that I think is enough for our audience that again if you sort of don't know what we're talking about that's even better then then that's fine okay well I'll, I'll backtrack without spoiling anything about Star Trek Beyond go see it okay. go read my blog about it um okay well, but the context the is is okay the why there is a Min May attack is because the aliens are sort of a faceless horde with no culture right, right. and they have a strict militaristic culture so what they discover is that when you play something like music, it shorts their brain. They're like, what the hell? What? I can't even operate my head cannon anymore. <laughs> you know, they're just so totally confused. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Again, some people resist it because they think it's stupid. But I think 
that's just America being stupid. I think it's America being stupid, yeah, for sure. That's the, it because it it speaks to so many things. The first time you hear a song that you really like as your favorite wow. song, it does fuck up your brain a little bit. Imagine, I mean, we're, yeah. we're all, you're all exposed to music in different ways, but imagine if the first song you ever heard in your life, the first music you ever heard before you know what music was, turned out to be your favorite song ever. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, music is a lot of sense of memory and it's like, you know, it makes moments sexier. It makes it like, remember the first time you kissed, dance, fuck, oh, whatever, got in that car. Yep. Now imagine the first time you hear music is you were about to go destroy some earthlings <laughs> <laughs> as part of a, alien armada and this thing starts coming over your radio you you just don't know what it is but it's like fucking purple rain it's like the best song ever you're like i don't even i don't know what to do i don't really want to like strafe humans anymore i can't destroy this thing i'm just trying to get into their head anyway basically what happens is it's a big uh distraction device so they broadcasted aliens and so they can gain the advantage because they're always outnumbered by the aliens so the way to gain the advantage is is to broadcast pop songs at them that will disorient them enough that they can um, overcome the overwhelming odds. Nice. And this happens in basic. And there's a music theme in every each mm. part of the trilogy. Mm. And you know, yes. you and I, theater again, musicals. Mm-hmm. So and elevating a genre like this, like we know that music elevates a moment, just life. Never right. mind a genre, you know. Right. There's something that like there's life and then there's music that happens sort of spontaneously. How? Effervescent. It's a miracle every time mm-hmm. music enters a moment. And anyway, so and then it's so it's so it's combined with this great thing of like winning a battle against evil aliens. And oh, God, I can't stand it. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and Absolutely. I'll, and I'll just say this thing wasn't this wasn't. Um, this wasn't a moment stuck in time. It's a trope that keeps going. And yeah. one of the most popular uh, reboot slash sequels of Macross called Macross Frontier, which I'm a big fan mm. of, it continues. There's the lo- there's a pop singer, and she has a soundtrack with very catchy pop songs, yeah. which are big hits all throughout Japan. Yeah. You know, they're like radio songs. And yeah. those are the songs that protect the earth. Yeah, there you go. Those are the songs that protect the earth. Boom. Oh, my God. What a great summation. Okay. That is perfect. I need to catch my breath. Yeah, sorry. Dom's, well, Dom catches his breath. I mean, I just want to, for people that maybe don't don't quite grok this, because this doesn't happen as much anymore. I mean, I guess it happened. I'm probably about to be wrong, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. It seemed to happen much more in our youth, particularly in the 80s and the 70s, late 70s and the 80s. Well, no, a lot of the 70s. There was a direct pipeline to pop to movies having introducing pop songs, not fucking taking pop songs that were already mm-hmm. popular and wedging mm-hmm. them into fucking trailers and wedging them into the mm-hmm. movies, but creating a song specifically for the film mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just and, and sometimes, yes, like see Ghostbusters for like a little too on the, this. This trope becomes a little too on the nose and gets ridiculous around Ghostbusters right. time. But before that, you know, again, I mentioned Superfly a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week or whatever. Like a lot of the black exploitation theme songs became signature songs for the singers, right? And helped to boost the popularity of certain singers. Um, and there was a direct pipeline from movies and television, because a lot of people don't remember. I'm going to seriously get some deep geek 80s on you people. Mike Post and Pete Carpenter, as two composers for television, all, a lot of. I love the of work their- of Mike Post. Yeah. All I, I love the work stuff, of my post. All of their stuff, their theme songs became pop music. And if you don't believe me, Greatest American Hero, uh, Drive, uh, Hardcastle and McCormick, the, the, the fucking theme song is Drive, 
Both of those are Mike Post and Pete Carpenter. Mike Post goes on to do a bunch of other stuff that becomes super popular. Jan Hammer's Miami Vice becomes a popular song. Classic. 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 Fucking classic shit. So that doesn't really happen anymore. It happens only in reverse now where the song is super popular and it gets literally just sort of like hammered and wedged into a, into a movie. Um, mm. So <clears throat> number one, just realize that this is not a... This isn't a thing that's that's totally foreign to America either. It's not just a Japanese thing. Oh, there's this weird song in this IP property, mm. and it becomes and it becomes a radio hit, right? Um, mm. So anyway, little weird history there. Um, cool. And I, Joe, do you have anything else to sort of finish out about the music stuff? Or well, I add that it's um, the other thing they do is. Um, it, they they lean so deep culture and they don't. It, there's a whole thing they don't. They have um, uh, gender separated society. Right. They're clones and so the whole underweaving thing against uh, uh, underneath Robotech is that protoculture. This energy resource that they're fighting over is sort of a metaphor for love and sexual relations. Do we remember that? It was always unclear how. Okay. But yeah. My I'm sorry. I'm I'm bearing the lead. The point is. We, the other thing they did besides broadcast a pop song was they'd get a guy and a gal to kiss. To kiss, yes. Yeah. Right. The kiss really fucked up the aliens. Yes. They'd never seen it. Whoa. They were clones. They came out of a they came out they of a bottle. Tank. They came out they of a tank. Didn't, they didn't know what it was. So that was why it had to be these sugary pop songs, because it wasn't just music like yeah. inspiring like you know, Right of the Valkyries, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It wasn't a battle cry. It was it was, we're going to hit you with um, a little love and pop and emotion. Emotion, right. And um, that's the thing that's going to disable you enough that right. we can Yeah, we that's can very true. We do, we can't, you can't gloss over the fact that they're, they're not just pop songs. They're, they're pretty much pop love songs. Absolutely. Yeah. Almost every time. Super sugary. Yeah. They're yeah. like Britney Spears. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Totally. And they're love songs. Yeah, they're totally love songs. Yeah, and so there's just, a different cognitive dissonance for the normal person who's like maybe – you know, right. dun, 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 you know, like our John Williams heroic music. Right. We're used to that. No, when when you charge in the battle in Robotech, you've got like this sort of proto '80s disco pop <laughs> with the young Japanese with like sugary girl. lyrics. Yeah, with the like cute little uh, singer. And by the way, a lot of people hate Minnie. That's fine. She's basically Britney Spears. That's fine. You do hate her, but you but she did this thing for the team. Anyway. Yeah, no, and it's and again, um, as you point out, what's great about it is to talk about talk about elevating the genre is that it is thematically relevant. That's why taking a hot pop song and wedging it into a fucking movie doesn't work, right? It's right, right. that that lowers the genre because you're that has nothing to do with the cre- the creation you just made, right? It's right, just right. oh, this is a fucking hot song, and now maybe kids will buy the the, the fucking soundtrack or buy us buy it on buy us on iTunes or watch the stupid movie yeah. because the new bloody fucking maroon. I can't even say it, but maroon. What a maroon. Uh, maroon five. What a maroon. Maroon five song is in the goddamn movie. Which, I mean, honestly, I I really I'm assuming that's scientifically disprovable. That like, <laughs> if that, I don't think anybody's ever bought a movie ticket because oh that song that song I like is in the movie. Uh, but anyway, maybe it works on a, some kind of unconscious level. Well. You, you, I'm just gonna say you gotta see Star Trek Beyond. All right, I'm gonna, I will. Say, that. I'm gonna a, say that a couple thousand times. Attack. That's amazing. That's amaze balls. I mean, Simon Pegg, he's he's one of the writers, mm. right? Or did he write the whole thing? Yes, they're co. Yeah, he was one of the co-writers. co-writers. I mean, you never know how they credit these things, but the credited writers are Simon Pegg and uh, 
uh, Doug, Doug Jung or Doug Young, I'm not pronouncing his name right, Asian okay. guy, so okay. <laughs> I should be getting his name right, but I'm not. Anyway. Um, All right, we'll check that out in the errata maybe. Uh, check the show link for that. So I want to move over to the, one of my favorite things about the show, which we've mentioned a little bit, which mm. is <laughs> the violence, of course. That's coming from my end. <clears throat> and this is, this is really important in my um, – in my uh, setting, elevating the genre and setting an expectation that did not ever wear off. Um, a lot of people want to credit sort of, you know, the Dark Knight, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns for sort of making violence matter a little bit more in mm. comic books and things like that or bringing a dark, gritty realism or however you want to fucking define it. Robotech for me is what really did it for me. Like, death fucking matters in this story. And it's a cartoon story that is literally broadcast like a half an hour after the goddamn Smurfs or two hours before <laughs> fucking GI. In which we learned nothing about death ever. Yeah, ever Smurfs. Smurfs, definitely nothing. not. Or it's broadcast a half an hour before fucking GI Joe, where everybody just magically reappears outside the the, the, the exploding plane, right? Um, in a parachute, right? Even the bad guys. Um, and again, say what you want about children and violence. I mean, we can have that discussion, and I will wreck you because I've actually spent years working on this, but that's okay. Um, but um, the fact that death mattered so much in this, the fact that, and way before fucking George R. R. Martin, people who come up and are like, George Martin is so original for killing a main character. It's like, Robotech, fuck off. Um, yeah, totally. Why do right. people say that? Why? I just, it's just like, wake the... Come Has on. that never happened before? Right, yeah. I mean, get over it, number one, number two, but whatever. At least Robotech just... Uh, <clears throat> and again, sort of... Yeah. Matt, I'll, I should have probably announced before that all of this is massive spoilers for Robotech, but oh well, fuck off. Um, <laughs> no, when Roy dies in, in Macross, which is who is... Our main character, Ricks, is a young boy young unseasoned boy pilot whatever has an older brother who's already been through a civil fucking war and what equates basically to the united states it's sort of the there's a pan there's a pan northern uh northern western european unit that falls into a civil war roy's already been through a one war and come back and is you know whatever is the big dick swagger and dude pilot yeah. guy and he fucking buys it in episode like four or five and i can't remember exactly which one i'll check for people um and no, yeah, you're thinking some. It's it's farther along than that. Is but, it further along than four or five? Is it really? I always think it's like yeah, it, it's it is. Pretty, but, go, but, but go ahead and I'll all right, go ahead. Cool. It's it's early. It's fairly early. Um, and the way of Dom drops his mic again. Um, wow, here, got to drink more coffee. Um, uh, and the way that that plays out and how it affects Rick and how it affects the whole storyline. Um, and the fact that Roy has a girlfriend. Uh. Uh, Roy is ostensibly white, by the way, and his girlfriend is of African descent. She is black, uh, by the way. Uh, I'm forgetting her name. Cara, Clara, Ka Oh, what was her name? Claudia, Claudia. Claudia, Claudia, thank you. Claudia. Claudia. Statuesque black woman. Statuesque black woman. Who is Helming a gigantic space fortress. Yes, and who is, a, <laughs> it's the other thing, like, again, it's the, it's so awesome. Um, anyway, uh, the way she reacts to the death, the way that the, the, yeah. the whole story reacts to the death is, is a is a moment um and it's real and then they pulled the ultimate trigger it way later um and they literally decimate 70 percent of the globe always punctuated by one of my favorite pieces of visual storytelling ever which is so the aliens have surrounded the earth but the earthlings don't quite know it yet 
they know it that they're up there, but they're not. They're, there's they they think there's some time for some to broker a piece or whatever. And mm-hmm. so there's this scene where this random, uh, like uh, t- uh, clearly like uh, t- like a military reservist is on one knee. He's got like a helmet and like an M16, and he's in fatigues, and he's talking to a clearly five year old blonde headed girl. And the reservist goes, and what's your name, little girl? And she goes, like, Annie. And then behind him, boom, explosion. The reservist sees it sort of futilely covers the girl, and they are both wiped fucking off the screen. And by wiped off the screen, I don't mean they leave the image. They are, like, the energy comes by and just takes them, just wipes them out. And it's... They're incinerated. They're fucking incinerated, like... And it's a character moment. It's a loving, it's a loving character moment for that reservist. Uh, it's it's a it's a sure a super manipulative storytelling beat, but I don't give a fuck because it works. Um, <clears> and <throat> then you cut from that super personal moment. Talk about elevating the genre. You bounce out to the whole earth directly from that scene, directly from that image, to watching all the explosions go. Right. Absolutely. All the way around the globe, and you're like, right. "Holy shit, they did it!" Right? Because there was yeah, nothing. Yeah. In my world, yeah. even after reading George, even after reading Tolkien and a bunch of high fantasy stuff, where and even I was reading some Elric of Melna Bonet stuff, which is some super weird shit we can hopefully get into in some other podcast. But there was nothing that prepared me for storytellers who were willing to go that far. And then, and it wasn't the end of the series. There was still like fifteen episodes left. <laughs> so you're was, gonna get some motherfucking fallout from this shit. And it was so good it ruined me like i couldn't watch mm. other stories yeah. that didn't treat death and didn't pull that yeah. trigger didn't yeah. weren't ballsy enough to be like nope we're gonna walk up to armageddon and then nope just kidding everybody stays the day at the last minute i lost yeah. all patience for that shit at like age 12 or 13 or whatever right, age right, i was at right, right because of these stories and the other thing is like you said they fucking pulled that trigger like four times yeah yeah it keeps happening <laughs> it keeps happening and um, it was brilliant. Yeah. And it mattered. And it mattered. It, it mattered. so fucking mattered. It mattered. Uh, um, some side notes on that. Um, please. Yes, the Japanese were more comfortable with that trope because so actual shocker. atomic bomb. Yes. Let's not sugarcoat it. Absolutely. They had experience with a sudden, unprecedented, devastating event. So, yeah, they were a little ahead of the time in being able to coax it into their pop culture. Yeah. Um, I get, love your point about the elevating the genre. Yes, if you had no budget and it was live action and you had to do that scene, <laughs> hey, live action Robotech movie makers, you're going to have a budget. But let's say you didn't. If you needed to show that scene where the world was uh, incinerated by alien fleet, you could could just do that. Scene. Yeah, you could have you could have that little bit with the soldier and they get away with it. Now, yeah, that was yeah, and it would land with all of us. It stays to us this day. No, and shit. Yeah, yeah, the violence. Yeah. Um, and also, it's uh, the one cool thing uh, about making us smarter is, um, you know, it, it it is it is principally a, a military story, and mm-hmm. it's it's framed that way. It's always some form of ad, you know advanced uh, Earth defense force, but um, in contrast to GI Joe, which, as you said, is superheroes and no blood and no consequences. You know, it's a military story. It's about war. It's about the cost of war. And whether, you know, whether the weapons they're using are advanced or science fictional or not, the actual layout of what's happening is like many wars we've seen. 
And except, of course, that they use the pop song attack, which we only <laughs> occasionally use in psychological warfare. But that's the like, that's 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 big. That's a piddling point. Mm-hmm. The 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 real the real cost of of war in in you know a military family give or take is uh, explored in a way that no other cartoons of the time really like could even handle yeah i don't i mean um, are there even cartoons that handle it now i mean i have no idea uh, oh well i mean there are just so many <laughs> well, I'm sure maybe anime, but I'm just talking about American. I mean, I guess maybe I like. I, I, uh, I, again, uh, you guys are all screaming at your computers, but don't scream at your computers. Yeah. Fucking put it in the comments and let us know. Yeah, yeah. I don't you know. know. Just gonna, yeah, comment. Add, add a space opera that has the militaristic uh, family trope and the, just the weight that Robotech has. That's made in America. Yeah, it's made in America. Not even, it doesn't even have to be a. It doesn't even have to be a space opera. Just anything that has the weight of life and death, and like, and just yeah. to, to piggyback on your point a little bit, they also examine war from a bunch of angles, right? Literally yeah. to the point where, in in the new generation, uh, the the freedom fighters run into uh, literally war reporters who are sent from <laughs> sent from the original yeah. character from the first series. Doesn't matter. They're war reporters. This is all you need to know. They're geared up for war, but they refuse to fight. And the whole, the central conflict of that story, well, there's sort of a, a there's a goofy sort of central conflict on top, but the main meat of that comp of the story is the leader of the resistance fighters yelling at these war reporters to join the fight. But there's a voiceover that still stays with me, which is the fight raged on, and the, and forgive me, they they name the characters. The characters continue to shoot nothing but film, and. And that yeah. was, I mean, come on, who fucking yeah. does that? Like it's yeah. in a cartoon and then they fucking yeah. die, by the way. Yeah. They yeah. die as war reporters yeah. doing their job. And the last thing they want is for them to beam the information back out to the people that it matters. Yeah. That's, and yeah. it's so badass. Um, yeah. And again, I'm, I'm, it's the idea that, again, that's even in the fucking story is so wonderful. Um, yeah. Uh, and again, just talk about, again, elevating the genre. Yeah, media, like, recording, being witness, getting frontline. What is the real, you know, what is the, what is the real thing happening? It's reporting. Absolutely. balls. It's absolutely amazeballs. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we've, we've gone on a bit, which is great. Um, it's cause there's so much to unpack with Robotech. Yeah. I think we could do a whole nother fucking episode, yeah. but we're not going to. So we're going to move into something. I'm interested to see what you have to say. Cause I know you love this so much. So we have another se- uh, a segment uh, that we call Issues, usually, um, about where we sort of discuss the things that we think maybe are slightly problematic about um, about the thing that we love. Um, Dom is, I don't know if Dom's actually got one. Um, I'll jump in on my end where, um, so it was obviously, so I loved it so much, uh, and I was just, and we were in, a, in 80s America at the time, and so sequels were everywhere. Sequels were a thing. And so I must have spent five, wasted five years of my life just like begging the television, like as, a, as if it was a god or an altar to give me another Robotech series. So for those that don't know, there was an attempt made because uh, the Robotech was, a, was an absolutely huge hit. Um, that it wasn't the first time it was aired. It took two or three airings in syndication before it caught on. But uh, it was eventually a huge hit. And uh, Harmony Gold tried to do something called Robotech 2 The Sentinels, which was to follow along basically the Macross storyline. Because um, as we said, it's a generational story, so there's a gap between each, between each of the three um, stories. 
So it was an attempt to fill in the gap between Macross and Masters um, and possibly beyond called Robojack to the Sentinels. And they actually got into production, blah, blah, blah. And then a, the, the way the story goes is that uh, the contracts, the animation houses were all commissioned out of Japan. And this is the mid-'80s before uh, Japan hits its, its stagnation and depression. And the yen absolutely shot up um, a lot of people credit Sony and the and the uh, and believe it or not the Betamax uh, even though that didn't go the Walkman and all of that stuff for you know the electronics the electronics Max. Japan handled the electronics industry in a, in a certain way and there was a yeah. trade gap was a, there was a lot of trade gap between the US and Japan and the yen got incredibly strong versus the dollar so and this was before supposedly when the contracts were written and then all of a sudden it became untenable for Harmony Gold to pay the price to finish the series um so there are four episodes that are floating around. They eventually smashed them together and released it as like a TV movie or whatever. That's I ch I've tried to watch it like twice and I, I find it completely unwatchable. Um, but um, so I guess that's my issue is that they couldn't somehow mm. Harmony Gold fucking drop the ball mm -hmm. like massively here, um, mm. uh, just in an unforgivable manner. Um, I understand if the contract thing is actually a thing, but then like fucking figure mm. your shit out, like regroup and like. Fix it, motherfuckers. Um, uh, uh, that's the only issue I can really bring up. <laughs> I don't know. What do you got? Um, I'll mention really quick, if you need a more recent ac access point, uh, find the series mm. Macross Frontier. Um, okay. Robotech may seem dated, depending on what frame you're coming from. Um, but Macross Frontier is a reboot of the whole story that involves some Battlestar Galactica 2, and that shit is awesome, too. Um, okay. Issue? This is going to... This may turn into a large issue. You can coax it however you want. Uh, the direction of I love it so much. The only thing about Robotech is it it hurts my heart. I mean, honestly, it's still in a way that you maybe you were touching on. You wanted more. It was you you wanted it to go on, mm. but it was sort of like high school. It can't go on. <laughs> That you know, yeah, I think a lot of people are happy about that high school. Bit, I mean, but. I saw the I saw the Sentinels. I I read some of the you know peripheral materials. It's always like, you know, when nine hundred two and goes to college, or when Buffy you know is in college for her third year, you know, it starts to mm -hmm. deteriorate. It was just its own perfect thing, and true, maybe, and and but 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 more specifically, it hurts like sort because there are all these different romantic storylines, all these different weird, um, idealized characters. And it gets into that whole thing of fan service and, yeah. you know, anime playing the weird um, titillation cards that it does, but also being really awesome. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I was scoping Annie because I wasn't scoping Annie. <laughs> pretty sure she, pretty oh, sure she I, was 12. No, let me be very clear. Miria? Like for a long time, I was like, I guess I have to marry a green-haired woman. Like, yes, there was yes, a problem. There was yes, a problem there. Yes. Anyway, and, sorry. And, <laughs> and she got with the blue-haired geek with glasses, <laughs> yes. who happened to be the ace pilot. You know what I'm saying? These were like yeah. what idealized, impossible romantic tropes that happen. Yeah, well, Usually involves a girl with green hair. Um, yeah, in the first one. Uh, I felt I felt for Lisa. She had unrequited love for Lisa, Rick. Lisa, oh, yes, Lisa, yes. Don't, Huge crush. On um, Lisa. But but really, Max and Miria. I mean, because yeah. Miria is this ace pilot for the enemy. 
Um, and Max is also is the human's ace pilot, but he's a total geek. He doesn't look like you know he yeah. looks like you uh, just standard nerd, but he's got hand eye that like is yeah. amazing. So um, and you know of course they get together somehow and they and they produce a, a mixed alien offspring. And then even the Dana, Dana and Bowie story is very sweet. Very sweet. And then finally you get to the next generation. And frankly, that was just all kinds of sexy. Yes. Like you got Yellow sense. Dancer <laughs> who is arousing feelings in you you don't even really understand. Yep. You've got Rook Bartley. Yes. Who, come on. Rook Bartley, freaking awesome. Also first we name Rook. In a bar. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. Start naming your children Rook. God, I've always – anyway. Yeah. Um. We've, we meet in a bar. She wears all red. She kicks ass in the bar. She has her own bike. She shoots people. And also she has this clever romantic comedy ongoing thing with the farm boy. Anyway, uh, she's a unicorn, obviously. Mm. And then and then even and then again, there's, you know, Marlene, who, yeah. again, alien clone spy. She's kind of like a traditionally sort of lame wallflowery character. But right. she shows up naked in a bar. And so you still can't yes. be like. You'd be like, you can't get that out of your brain. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> and so they have this, and she has some more sort of traditional, like, mm-hmm. you know, alpha soldier hero and true love of, you know. Yes. Night. Anyway, so Stop. it had all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, 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 and I can't get out of it without mentioning who Lancer eventually hooks up. With. Lancer hooks up with the alien green pilot, uh, green-haired pilot in the third series. The recurring trope, and by the way, check out my blog, Dama.com, because at one point I live blogged all these episodes. Holy sweet Jesus, really? Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah we definitely got to link that. Yeah. I mean, it was a while ago, so it, this yeah. is a better updating of that. Okay. But yeah, one of the recurring tropes is the alien chick with green hair is going to sabotage your alien invasion mission. Yes. So it's it's Miria in, in the first part, it's Musica or whatever in the second part, <laughs> Musica, and then it's yeah. Sarah in the third part, and they... Yeah. For love, they betray their cause and they unite to form a human alien power couple, which ends up, which ends up having some sort of uh, peacemaking effect on the war, or ends right. up being a symbol of a truce being made. Right. So anyway, so you wanted to have a relationship that was that significant, and also you yeah. were like the girls with green hair, and also you were playing with your own identity as a guy with blue hair or glasses, or who you know wants to be a pop star, trying to or whatever. Yeah, and life just doesn't match up that way. I'm so, so I'm feeling a little emotional about that kind of thing right now. But <laughs> oh, it's, very, Tom. it's okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's gonna be okay, but like they'll just never do it again, and, I, and no yes. one understands. No one gets it. Yeah, it's hard. It's, no one, it's it. There are so many things that are right about that show in terms of not just ele- like what we're talking about on the podcast, elevating the genre, but like hitting these emotional beats in a, in a way that is really honest and, and is, and is uh, I don't want to say simple. They're not simple. They're not, that's the whole point. They're not simple on their face. The situation complicates the relationship because it is a war story. Um, and that's what's wonderful about it. And the fact that there are different types of women in, this sh- in these shows you do. You have the sort of Linda Mays and you've got the sort of wallflower characters and you've got the, the, the bar-busting chicks and you've got Lisa who is the second-in-command of the super-dimensional fucking fortress um, and, and Claudia uh, and, who are, these are all, and Dana who is high, mm-hmm. a high-ranking officer. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't even got to Nova Satori. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my God, yeah. And, Nova Satori. 
Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> right. And so you've got Annie, um, sort of the boy crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a full panoply of humanity, and it's really, really, really nice. Um, and yes, maybe for us, some of us sensitive boys in the, in the crowd, it might have set some expectations <laughs> that have been hard maybe. to live up to. Maybe. I can understand maybe. how that, that, that may be an issue. Still waiting to rope that alien pilot traitor. <laughs> 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 just because that's, well, yeah, well, it, would, it, it wouldn't work. She'd just kill us. <laughs> She'd just kill me. <laughs> Said. But you can try, man. You can try. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a noble death. Um, yeah. All and right. circling back, they yeah. are making a movie of this. And uh, James yes. Wan, we think highly of as a filmmaker, and especially in genre. I, so. I think James Wan is 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 a mad crazy genius. Um, yeah. Uh, in fact, maybe we'll do a whole. I'd like to do a whole podcast on him um, and okay. his career. I think at some point, um, uh, just because also I happen to have like was one of those people that saw Saw like before anything was anything, um, and was just like this guy's mad crazy good. Um, anywho. Yeah. Um, Final thoughts, brother. Although we, just, we sort of just, I don't know, that sounded sort of finally, how do we beat that shit? How do we beat uh, wanting to fall in love with alien pilot to bring about truce between humanity and another species? And the green hair. It's the green hair, man. It's the green hair. It yeah, is. Uh, my, my final thoughts is I just get very emotional thinking about the whole thing. There you go, Robotech. baby. And that's, and that's great. I mean, and what a, what, a, what a great tribute to the story that is something that we encountered, oh my God, it must be 30 years ago, not 35 years ago. I don't know, whatever the fuck, I can't do math. Uh, whatever 1985 is, 86 compared to now. And it's just, yeah, 30 years ago. Um, And it stays with me. And again, I can't tell you, I haven't watched this thing top to bottom in probably almost a decade and a half. And it's still just like it was yesterday, some of the things, some of those Mm, images, some of those things are just right fucking there. They're so, it's so central. Yeah. now I have to fucking, and I lost, I did, I got rid of my DVDs. Unbelievable. Anyway, um, uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, now I'm feeling, I'm feeling the loss. Um, but mm. anyway, um, final thoughts are, hey, fucking dig it, man. That's just, get out, if you haven't seen it. And what I, you know, and if you have children, I highly recommend if they're hitting like eight or ten, taught, and you're a geek and you want to geek them up a little bit and they, they have these tendencies, just throw them in and, and trust them. You know, that's the other thing. American entertainment Coddle, I mean, I'm about to go on a small rant here. Uh, Coddles mm. takes all the fear out of childhood, and all right, the childhood right. stories that I remember that I hold dear never softballed that shit. Right. Robot- Robotech, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, uh, any of the raw doll stuff, all of that stuff plays, and Charles, even Peanuts, plays with the hardships of childhood and the hardships of right. being human. And that's why Disney fucking sucks. Anyway, whole nother, another rant from Morrison some other <laughs> well, day. Yeah. Yeah. Just sanitize. Many, sanitize. Many forms of sucking. Yes. Sanitize. Um, but entertainment blows. Anyway. Yeah. And what was that? You're going to say something else? I, 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 I would add if I support that, if you're trying Robotech on your kid and they're not digging it because it might seem dated, I would again yeah. enthusiastically recommend Macross Frontier. Yeah. Find a fan sub version of Macross Frontier because it is the same same ish story updated okay. um, because it has like cell phones in it and, like <laughs> and stuff yeah <laughs> and also uh, San Francisco appears in a in a uh, sort of tangential way and it's nice. also got lots of catchy music nice man so there yeah so I'm just saying you know there's there's uh, different ways of getting into this thing that we love there you go 
Cool. All right. And we end always, as every podcast, letting you guys know what we're working on as uh, genre creators. Uh, I, I'll, start this t- I'll start this week. Um, as been always pimping this uh, this movie thing. We've got an elevated genre movie that we're going to be shooting it, coming up here in January. And today I can officially announce we have locked our location in Brussels. It's a one-room film that takes place in a, chur- a chapel. We have got a chapel. We are working in the Marie la Miserable chapel in Brussels. So very exciting. Um, we're uh, super. Th- I'm super thrilled to be there. Uh, I'll post some links to the chapel. Um, and they're just good people and they're going to let us invade for three and a half weeks um, <clears throat> and uh, do bring, um, bring, this, bring this artistic thing of mine into the world. So that's the big news on my end. What's up on yours, brother? I like, I like the way you said that. It, the, the name of the chapel just made me picture this whole scary, very <laughs> cinematic sort of scary. <laughs> uh, I can't even imagine. But yeah. that's the point. Now, now I'm trying to imagine. Um, this, I'd really like to get 200 subscribers to my YouTube channel because this Let's thing is it. coming up slowly, incrementally. Nice. Um, you know, 200 is, is 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 nothing on YouTube standards, but it's more than 100, and Absolutely. we're setting little goals. And again, cool. I'm doing a lot of cosplay karaoke. The search terms are probably karaoke rhapsody, cosplay karaoke, or dama. Um, cool. And again, influenced by Robotech Forever. The idea was to meld pop song with this kind of yeah. mythic legend of superheroes in you know in conflict with something nice. to make you know to just that those that's just hitting all my sweet spots. Right on music combined with these with with the with the mythic superhero angle and how they interrelate. Anyway, so cool. that's why I really like that. Subscribe to it, please. Yep, and as always, guys, comment, like, subscribe. You can find us however you found us here. Awesome, we're on iTunes. We do have the YouTube thing. We also have the Elevating the Genre podcast over at WordPress. All those links are always behind down there. Again, comment, like, subscribe to this and uh, Cosplay Karaoke, etc. And yeah, and let's fucking get Dom over 200. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. We can yeah. do that. Bit by bit. We yeah. can do that. It's, it's a little, the little red button. Some people don't even know how to do it, but ah, yeah. The little it, red it's, button it's, it's, on your right side of your screen. The little red button, if you haven't subs- pressed it, press it on YouTube things. There you go. Okay. We all appreciate it. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, I'm Christopher. That is... I'm, I'm Dominic. I'm Dominic. That's sad, Dominic. I hope we didn't make it too I, sad today, Dom. No, I'm, no, it's not. There's a lot of shit going on, but it's, it's, a, it's a nice, it's a healthy, mm. melancholy catharsis Excellent. thinking about Robotech. Excellent. And we are healthy, melancholy catharsis. No, we are elevating the genre. Uh, maybe that'll be our subtitle, elevating the genre, healthy, melancholy catharsis. <laughs> Signing off, guys. Appreciate you. Love you. Talk to you All soon. Right. Cheers. <laughs>